Hallelujah. We're going to begin this message in Proverbs chapter 14. If you'll move down to verse number 23. The Bible says here, In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tended only to penury. Now, the, the passage here, In all labor there is profit, uh, means not exactly that it's profitable monetarily, there's a lot of jobs that I work that I didn't really profit that much monetarily. I learned a hard lesson in that you need to agree to what your price is before you work for it. Um, I learned that lesson as a kid. But one of the things that I want you to see, though, is that a lot of times, especially in Christianity, we believe that we can re- receive from God, receive the things that God has without giving to God what he desires from us. And one of the things that we will soon find out is that God's desire is for us to surrender our hearts and to believe before we receive. But many people just want to receive uh, the, the blessing, the blessing of the labor without laboring before the Lord. Now, one of the things that we, we want to point out here is that, you know, just in simplistic terms, I love the fact that God is simplistic in a lot of the, the examples that he uses. And one of the most common examples that God uses in the Bible is a farmer, a farmer that sows seed. And it would be silly for somebody to not sow tomato seeds and expect to get tomatoes. Unless you live next door to Brother Free, it's not going to happen. But, but you know, it, it would look kind of silly if you just was sitting there waiting for tomatoes to come up, but you never poured seed down there or watered them or waited on it. It would just look silly, wouldn't it? Or if you were expecting corn to pop up out of the ground where you didn't have any corn planted, it would look silly. Well, sometimes in our walk with God, the devil is able to get a foothold into our lives because we expect certain things, but we haven't walked the walk God's asked us to walk. And if you don't walk the walk God has asked you to walk, you'll never reap the benefits from that bountiful harvest that God has for you. God's no respecter of persons. If you, if, if you walk the way God wants you to walk, it don't matter what your name is or what street you come from or what side of the tracks you came from or how long the list is in your past, where you were, who you were, or what you were. If you'll come to God and walk the way he wants you to walk, God will. God is faithful and you will begin to reap a harvest that God has for each and every person that walks the way God walks. And one of the things that we see here is that, that, that labor is the only way to get the profit. There is no other way in God's economy to get the labor. And I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint on where this is going, but in God's economy, faith is the currency. In God's economy, faith is the currency. And in order for you to access what God has for you, you're going to have to walk in faith. You're going to have to trust God and follow God even when you can't see five feet in front of you. Even when you don't know where the next corner is going to take you, you have to trust the one that is leading you. You have to trust the voice of the one who brought you here. You have to trust the one that offered himself on the cross for you. You may not know where tomorrow is, but you know who has tomorrow. We used to sing a song in children's church. It's got the whole world in his hands. Well, you know what? You might have grown up, but God hadn't grown out of holding it in his hands. I mean, he's still got the whole world in his hands. And tonight, as we go into this message, I want you to see that God's desire for us is to labor in the Lord. 
to labor in the Lord. Uh, Samuel Chadwick was a, a, a one of the best Holy Ghost ministers in the in the um, 1900s. He taught uh, Brother Ravenhill in in seminary, and one of the things he said is that a church that does not labor in prayer, the church that does not labor in prayer, is going to waste all their effort. It doesn't matter how hard you try if you're not laboring in prayer. You can try and try. How many of y'all can testify to that? You can try and try and try. You can beg, plead, and borrow, but until you get on your knees and labor in prayer before God, you'll never see that profit that God has for you. Now, when I'm talking about profit, I'm not talking about your wallet. I'm not talking about like a TV preacher. I'm talking about how you're profitable in the Lord. I'm talking about you growing in God. I'm talking about the peace of God. God growing on you so that you're no longer stressed out, worried, so that you're no longer anxious, so that you're no longer fearful, so that you're no longer work, walking in darkness, but that you have the light of God in your life. This is a person that is profitable in God. God is not just something that is sitting on a coffee table, never to be read, but it is, but God has become someone who we lean on, trust in, rely on, and cling to every hour with our fiber of every being. Now we see here that this labor that God has for us, there is profit, but notice what he says next. The talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. How many of you know talkers but not walkers? Do you know what I'm talking about? This, what he's talking about is that this is the people that, that, that talk the talk. How many of you know that there's a lot of people out there that talk a big game? There's a lot of people out there that talk a big game. And, and, but here's the key. Here's the key. Talking without walking. That's the danger. If you talk the talk without walking the walk, you got to be careful because there will come a hardening of the heart. If you walk, if you, if you, if your talk and your walk doesn't marry up, in other words, if you just continually, oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, and you got the talking down. How many of you know if you go to church long enough, you'll get the talking down? You go to church long enough, you can get the talking down. How do I know that? Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. That was me. I, I, I was there and because I never knew that God was real. I never knew God was real. So I was talking the talk, but I didn't have the walk that matched it. But you can talk it all day long without walking it. And what happens is there comes a hardening of the heart. In other words, you, if you talk the talk, but you don't walk it, people can talk about Jesus all day long in your heart. If your heart is hard, your heart is hard. And it takes a work of the Spirit of God to soften our hearts again. And he, he can, and he does, and he will, but it takes a work of God. Amen? Now, here's something I want you to see. This, this, um, this um, labor where there's profit, you know, sometimes, sometimes if we're not careful, if we're not careful, one of the things that will happen in our life is we'll end up being a professor of that that we don't possess. I talked about that earlier. A professor of that which we don't profess, that is someone who says, oh yeah, you know, I know God's got it. I know God's got it. But you know, sometimes you, you, you think, are you trying to convince me? Because it don't sound like you really believe that. I, I, I know that God can deliver me. Really? 
Because if you really will labor before God, God will really deliver you now. Because God hasn't retired from deliverance. God hasn't retired from setting the captives free. God hasn't retired from moving in powerful ways in our generation. It's that he's not got a people that's laboring before him. I don't believe that that we're going to get an easy card to the altar. We're, we're, We're not going to get an easy card to revival. We don't get, you know, whenever you play certain games, you get to skip. We, there's no steps that get skipped when revival comes. God's not going to allow us to skip any steps. We're going to have to walk the walk that we talk in order to have our hearts revived by the Spirit of God. And, and so we see, as, as, as Brother Chadwick said, if, if we're not laboring in prayer, we're really just playing. I mean, we're, it doesn't matter how many programs you have. It doesn't matter, you know, how many things that you have to do, and it doesn't matter what you do. If we as a people of God are not laboring in prayer, it is in vain. Because prayer is the engine of the church. And I want you to know, and I, and, and I do want you to come to our prayer meetings, but this is not just to get you to go to prayer meetings. This is to get you to go to your prayer closet, okay? This is not just trying to get attendance up on our prayer meeting because we, you know, I know some pastors, they would love to have the attendance we have on our prayer meeting. It's just, you know, when you talk about at, at least 10% of the church coming to a prayer meeting, that's unheard of in many in many circles. So I thank God for it. But you know, this is really to get you, it's really to get you to that place where you'll see God move in your life, and that's none other than the prayer closet. What do I mean by the prayer closet? It's the place of secret prayer. Brother Ravenhill said one time that the the secret of prayer is praying in secret. The secret of prayer is praying in secret. In other words, when I go to pray, I don't need to type it on Facebook. When I go to pray, I don't need to type it on Facebook for the world to see. I don't need to go on Facebook Live in order to meet with God. If I'm going to go in the prayer closet, I may not even tell anybody I'm going in the prayer closet. I'm like that. I don't like to let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. And, and, and you know, it's in that prayer closet in secret when nobody knows, that's when you've touched the heart of God. And you don't have to walk out and announce it. I just got done praying. Because then you'll have received your reward from men instead of from God. But God's looking for people who will labor in prayer and tarry before him and labor for him. I'm I'm not talking about serving in a ministry at church. I'm talking about serving God first with your heart. I'm talking about laboring before God, saying, Lord, this isn't right. Lord, this isn't right. This is not the way it should be. This is not right, God. I need you to move in this area, and I need you to move in this area. Sometimes you say, it's just like David's, hey, examine me, Lord. Examine my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. If there is, Lord, show me, because I'm not the best judge of how corrupted my heart is. I have, you know, I have a little bit of blind vision when it comes to my own heart because we all think that we all walk on water right 
We all think that everybody else is wrong and we're right. So we need the Lord to be that judge over our lives. And, and so God is, is good at that. And so we open up that, that heart and say, God, search me and try me because I know that I shouldn't have a hard heart right now. I know that I shouldn't be bored when I read the Word of God. I know I shouldn't be falling asleep in the time of prayer. I know I shouldn't be, you know, tired of worship and, and tired of serving you. God, I need you. I need the animation that comes from the Holy Ghost in my life again. Touch my heart. Soften my heart. Move upon me, God. And you know what? You do that in secret, that's called laboring before God in prayer. Laboring before God in prayer. And you'll see God move more mountains that way than in any conference you go to. You'll see God move more mountains that way than any, you know, calling people up on the phone, griping at how they're treating you and, and, and writing letters to this one and that one. You'll see God move more mountains. When you begin to labor in prayer, you'll begin to see profit in your spirit walk. You'll begin to see the profit of the Holy Ghost in your spirit walk. Well, you know what? Here's the thing about the harvest. Here's the thing about the harvest. I want, you know what? If you, if you sow those seeds in the ground, if you sow those seeds in the ground by praying, by praying and believing, you have to know God's going to answer that prayer. God said, if you pray in the name of Jesus, it'll be done according to his will. It'll be done. And you've got to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Let me show you something in Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. A lot of people make a living professing things that they, they, don't, they don't possess. In other words, some people profess it and other people possess it. Which one are you? And you know, one of, one of the things that, that you'll see is that it's real easy to move from one camp to the other. It's real easy to move from one camp to the other. In fact, the devil, he, he loves nothing more than for you to move from the possessor camp to just the professor camp. He loves for you to know it all but not have it all. Oh, yeah, 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 I heard that, I heard that. Oh, yeah, 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 I heard that one before. Oh, yeah, 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 I heard that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard that one too. Yeah, you profess it much, but do you possess much? It is, it is one thing to profess to know God, but it is another to possess, to have God in your possession, to be, to be consumed by the Spirit of God, to be raptured, if you will, by His love and by what He did for you at Calvary and by the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You see, the, there's, there's a, a promise here that sowing is labor. And you, we read earlier that if, if, if you only talk, you're never going to reap. You, do you know what I'm talking about? You can go to church and not reap the benefit of it spiritually. You can go to a prayer meeting and not reap the benefit of it spiritually. You can go to a Bible study and not reap the benefit of it spiritually. You can go to a conference and not reap the benefit of it spiritually. Many people do. It says, whatsoever a man sow, that shall he also reap. So if you don't sow, guess what? You're not going to reap. We're not, 
I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your spirit. This, this passage is often misused. When you talk about sowing and reaping, people begin to, to think like TV preachers. Don't think like a TV preacher. That's the wrong thinking. What you want to do, what you want to see is that there's a sowing and reaping that happens. This is a God principle. It says in verse 8, For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, if, if you think about what we read in Proverbs chapter 14, the, the person that labors is sowing to the Spirit, but the person that only talks about it is sowing to the flesh. And, and one of the things that you, you'll see is that there's going to be a harvest that comes up either way. You're going to reap a harvest. Some, how many of you know that the roosters come home? And sometimes the wrong roosters that we don't want come home, but it's because we've sown to our flesh. We've let our guard down. We've let compromise grow. We've let hardness creep in our hearts. We've gone too far and too long without the Holy Spirit's influence in our life, and we've strayed away a little bit from the path that God has for us. And what happens is we'll begin to reap some of the benefits of sowing to the flesh, which are not benefits. And, and, and one of the things that happens is we'll begin to hit those, those choppy waters. In other words, if you don't pay your Swepco bill, it's not the devil that turned off your lights. It was you, right? And I understand that you don't, if you don't got it, you don't got it. But if you don't got it, you don't got it. But it's different if you got it, but you go down to the casino and have a crab dinner and spend it all. And then you don't pay Swebco and, you, oh, the devil done got my finances. No, you done got a hold of your finances. You done sowed into the devil's territory is what you did. You sowed into the flesh. Well, a lot of times we'll begin to reap a harvest from the flesh and we'll begin to realize, hold on, this is not right. I don't have the peace of God in my life. I don't have God's provision in my life. Things are difficult. Things are hard. This is not the way. I know this is not the way God wants it to be. It's because we've begun to reap a harvest of the flesh. And he says here that if you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh. And God's not mocked. No, so a lot of times, there's always that positive spin. God's not mocked. You sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap of the Spirit. Yes, but God's not mocked. You can't sow to the flesh and reap of the Spirit. If you sow, so, you know, one of my favorite ministries is prison ministry. I love prison ministry because, you know, I just, I, I, I have a heart for people that are in a place like that because they need a touch from God, and God touches people in great ways. But, you know, if, if, if you, there's the saying, if you do the crime, Right? You do the crime, you've got to pay the time. You've, you've got to go through, and you know what? You sowed to the flesh, you broke the law. Well, there's a harvest. The harvest might be eight months or ten months or 14 months or eight weeks, whatever. There's a harvest that you've got to reap. Now, if you've got God with you, God can help you reap that thing in a way that's not going to overburden you. God can lighten the load, if you will. But here's, here's what I want you to see. But if you'll sow to the Spirit, you'll begin to reap of the Spirit. But there's, there's a, an attachment there. I, I would much rather sow to the Spirit. I would much rather labor before God spiritually. 
Now, I know what it's like to labor for me. I know what it's like to labor for my flesh. I know what it's like to defend yourself. But how many of you know God said that, that vengeance belongs to him? We're not supposed to defend ourselves. Vengeance belongs to God. We don't need to defend nobody. It's like uh, Charles Spurgeon said about the Bible. You don't need to defend a lion. Just let the lion out. You don't have to worry about it. But here's, here's the thing. When it comes, when it comes to sowing to the Spirit, if you begin to tarry before God and labor in prayer before God, you'll begin to see spiritual seeds go into the ground. And those spiritual seeds that go into the ground, they will come up. They will come up. But do you know what happens in a lot of times? And you gotta catch this. A lot of times what happens is people will put a tomato seed in the ground and go out in the morning and look for a tomato. I went to church yesterday. I did this yesterday. I've done that yesterday. How many of you know it would look pretty silly, wouldn't it? To put a seed in the ground yesterday and look for it today. Everybody in here, even if you're not a farmer, knows it takes a little bit more time than that, brother. But if you're, if you're, faith, if you're faithful, if you water that thing, if you water that seed that was sown in your life, How many of you have ever been touched by God? That was a seed sown in you. And if you'll water that thing, if you'll water that thing in due season, in due season, the harvest will come. But what? But what? What if you go out to that field? How many of y'all know sometimes it gets hard? You walk for God, sometimes it gets hard. You live for the Lord, you're going to face the headwinds of the devil. You're going to hear the lying voice of the devil. And, and sometimes it gets hard. But if you sow those seeds to the Spirit, guess what? A farmer would be very foolish to sow tomato seeds, pumpkin seeds, corn seeds, whatever. Sow them all into the ground. Wait a week? Two weeks? three weeks and then say "Ah, nothing's here yet and then go till up the ground but you know if we if, if if we don't trust God if we don't have patience if we don't trust God and have patience we could possibly go out and till the ground where seeds have been sown and we'll lose that harvest that was available for us. I've seen people get so close to deliverance. I've seen people get so close to a touch from God. I've seen people get so close to having a family that serves God, loves God. I've seen people get so close to finding the path that God has for their life. And, but because the harvest didn't come quick enough, or on their terms, they go out and till up the whole field. And the sad reality is that there's casualties in the process because not only are there lives directly that you impact, but there are lives indirectly that you'll impact. There's people in your close inner circle that their lives will be impacted if you go and you till up this field. But you know what? There's indirect lives too because there's people down the line that God has waiting. 
There's people down the line that God has waiting on you to walk in the anointing of your life, to finally begin to fulfill the call of God on your life, to quit pretending and start contending. And when you finally walk in that gifting and that calling and that anointing that God has for your life, there will be people down the line that you don't even know today that their lives will be changed tomorrow. But you've got to wait on God. You've got to wait on God. And there's things that you want, and, and I love, I love my wife's testimony of praying for her father. She prayed for a year for her father. Her and her sister prayed for a year. How many of you know, after about a week, I'd get tired of that? How about you? And, 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 and as she tells the testimony, she said, not only did it go long, but he got worse. You begin to fight for somebody in prayer, fight for your marriage, fight for your children, fight for your job, fight for your country, fight for revival, fight for your church, fight for your pastor, fight for whatever is right and true and godly. And what happens? It's going to be long and it's going to be hard, but you're going to have to hold on to God's word. And he said, if you sow to that spirit, if you'll labor before God, it's going to be profitable. God's not mocked. If you'll labor before God, that labor will turn to profit spiritually. There will be a harvest that will rise up if you'll sow to the spirit in faith and tarry before God and have patience. The harvest will come. And I love that testimony that she shared. She said it she took a year. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and it got worse and worse and worse, but they prayed and prayed and prayed. And one day she came home, and he was reading his Bible. Reading his Bible. God had done, got home. Those spiritual seeds, the harvest came up. And you know, it's awesome because when a, when, a, when a spiritual harvest happens, it comes, it just kind of blindsides you almost. You, you almost feel like, am I in reality? Is this real? Somebody pinch me. It is real because God does change lives. God does open blind eyes. God does heal deep wounds of the soul. God does set the captives free. God does heal us of all our diseases. God does turn lives around and save souls that are on the road to hell. But it's the church's job. It's the church's job to labor in prayer and tarry before God and labor in prayer and wait and be patient on God for that harvest to come. When the disciples went up to the upper room, the Holy Ghost didn't come down the same day. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He didn't say, go punch the clock and he'll come. He said, go tarry. No promise of when. Just that he will come. And any farmer will tell you they might have an idea about when a harvest is going to pop out of the ground, but they don't know for sure. You don't know till the thing pops out of the ground. But you know it will. You put the seed in and you water it. You did your part. And nature does its part. And God does his part. And it's the same way in the spirit world. You do your part. 
You take your burdens to God. You take your children to God. You take your marriage to God. You take your job to God. You take your country to God. You take the church of Jesus Christ to God. Tarry before God at those altars. Sow those spiritual seeds in faith. And what happens? What happens? Harvest. Harvest will happen. The harvest will happen. You'll begin to see the seeds come out the ground. God will have done his part. But you know, God could do anything he wants to do, but the way that he set the kingdom of God up is to be moved by prayer. He said, listen, he said it is prayer. It is prayer that God's looking for in the church. He said that his house was a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. They've set ATMs and coffee bars and everything else in the church today, but the church was, has been, always has been, and always will be a house of prayer to the Lord God Almighty. And when we get serious and we need a move of God, we'll move out the ATMs and the coffee bars and the, and the snack shops and all that stuff, and we'll make God's house a house of prayer again because nothing will change until we get serious with God and pray and sow the right seeds in the ground. How silly do we look expecting a spiritual harvest when we're not sowing spiritual seed? How silly do we look the same way as at the beginning? You would look very silly if you never planted seeds in your backyard expecting a tomato to pop up. Like I said, unless you live next door to Brother Free, it ain't going to happen. Here, listen. These spiritual seeds, look at this next verse. Look at this next verse. It says, he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit, that's capital S, that's the Spirit of God. Do you know that you can sow to the Spirit of God? Everybody's all about what God can give me, but what can we give God? What can we give God? You, 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 I mean, I don't want to get too tied up and chase a rabbit trail here, but our church... Our church, is not our church in particular, but our church, America Church, is so infatuated with receiving gifts from God that we don't seek God for who He is, but what He can give me. That would break the heart of any parent. That would break the heart of any parent. And, and, and you think God's any different? We have a give me mentality. Sometimes you got to look at those kids and be like, you know, can I, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? But you know, our, the church in America today is so gift oriented on what God can give me that we forget that God's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. And the prayer is what God desires from the church. If God wanted to operate without the church, he could. He don't need us, but he set it up to use us. He set it up to use us. So look what it says, though. It says that, that he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You will reap. You sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap if you faint not. You know, like I said, 
my wife, I mean, they sowed to the Spirit. It took a year. I know some people that you might need to pray for your marriage for more than a couple hours or a couple days. Or I prayed for my marriage last week. Nothing changed. I'm done with that. Come on, don't put a tomato seed in the ground and expect a tomato plant tomorrow. Can it happen? Sure. With God, all things are possible. But he says here to not give up. To not give up. I don't know what, I don't know what the harvest is you're looking for. And I don't know what seed you've been bringing to the altar of God. But I do know this. God said you'll reap if you faint not. If you faint not. God answers prayers. And he said that he loves, he loves to give good gifts to his children. Even earthly fathers love to give, I mean, any earthly father loves to be able to provide for their children. How much more our God? God knows our needs. He desires our prayers. He knows our needs He desires our spiritual seeds. And the harvest will come. We don't have to worry about that. God is awesome and and almighty. But there actually becomes a place where you just begin to fall in love with God afresh all over again. When you begin to let go of being in control and give control back over to God, that's when you'll begin to see things change. It says here, that this, this laboring that God's called us to, and God, and God has called us to this labor, is, is that we're, we're not to be, get weary, weary in well-doing. Do you know what it's like for somebody that goes to church to get weary in well-doing? You know what it's like for somebody that goes to church to get weary in well-doing? <sighs> this song again? When's pastor going to stop? You know, I'm t- why do we got to have another one of these and do another one of those? Sounds to me like somebody weary and well-doing. And, and, and again, open up the altar again, prayer meeting again. And there's other signs too. There's other signs too. We begin to not show up. We begin to quietly be absent. Because why? It's tiring. We get weary in well-doing. My pastor said one time, I would have church every night if I knew y'all could stomach it. But you know, the reality is it's not just about going to church. It's about sowing spiritual seeds in your prayer closet. It's, it, it is about you not only talking the talk, but walking the walk. We know, I just told you, there was a, one of the most awesome times in the church when, when Jesus was in the temple and, 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 you know, the effeminate folks today, they don't like this part of Jesus anymore. But I mean, he kicked over the tables that they had set up for the money changing. He threw out all their wicked sacrifices. He broke things. He got a whip and he started cracking that whip and he cast all those people out of the Lord's house because they had made it something it was not. It, it has been, it, it is, and it always will be a house of prayer. But if we begin to look at God's house any differently, we can't expect a spiritual harvest.
Notice this. Notice this. It is this, this walking and talking I want to touch on, I want to touch on right now. Um, let me show you something in, in John chapter six. John chapter six. Just kind of, we'll stay in the same area right here though. As believers, we are supposed to labor. A lot of people think, oh, you know, we're not supposed to labor. Yes, we are. We are supposed to labor. I'll show you right here, Jesus told us to. The harvest will come if you'll be patient and not till up the ground where you sowed the seed. John chapter 6, we'll begin in verse number 26. If you want to look at the background of it, um, what happened was Jesus provided a miracle. He, he, he uh, gave food and multiplied the food, and everybody got to eat. That's one of, my, one of my things that rubs me the wrong way. If you call a potluck dinner, you'll have all kinds of folks. But you call a prayer meeting, here you go. So watch this, though. In, in, in verse 26, John 6, Jesus answered and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. That sums up America right there. They seek God for what he can give them in their belly, what he can give them on their, on their clothing, what kind of house, boat, or car they can get out of God. That's what a lot of people have, have, have just kind of gotten to in their walk with God, what they can get from God. Jesus said, labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Notice this, might elude you. He said, labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat that endures. In other words, you're laboring, but you're laboring for the wrong thing. Jesus wants you to labor, but not labor for the wrong thing. A lot of times we're all about what we can get from God, and if we get fixed on what we can get from God, we're laboring for the wrong thing, but God wants us to labor for the right thing. It's not that we don't labor, but that we labor for God. One of the things that I often tell the prayer, prayer meeting crowd is, you know, if you get stuck in praying, just ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray about? I didn't make that up out of thin air. read that in Andrew Murray's book on Methods of Prayer. It's one of the most powerful principles you'll learn is that the prayer is the Holy Ghost. And if you'll just get on his team, he'll begin to activate that prayer life in you. You're, you can only pray about, you know, a bigger house and bigger car and brighter, whiter teeth for so long. You, you'll run out of all the stuff you need in your life. And you'll have to come up to that point where you just need the Lord's help to activate that prayer life to pray the way God wants you to pray. And that's the Holy Spirit. He's the teacher, the comforter, the instructor. And what happens? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray about? Now we've begun to hit something. Now we've begun to pray according to, because he might have you pray for someone you hadn't met in 10 years. You don't know it, but they're, 15 hours away going through a crisis. And God's looking for intercessors. He looked for intercessors in Isaiah's day. He looked for intercessors all throughout the history of time and he's still looking for intercessors today. God came down and he wondered why there was no intercessors 
because everybody was worried about how white their teeth was and how new their car was, but nobody was tearing before God for Uncle Tom down the road who's going through a crisis of faith, who's about to give up, and God needs an intercessor to pray and stand in the gap and lift that person up and break that stronghold. And you know what? And I heard it in the spirit as I was preaching. Somebody said, but I need that touch. And the Bible says that the liberal soul shall be made fat. That means that if you'll begin to pour out into other people's life, God will make sure that he pours into your life. You can't outgive God. We're going to claim that one back from the money preachers too. You can't outgive God. You begin to give yourself to other people's needs. God will make sure that you have pressed down, shaken together, running over more than you need in your life. God will give you deliverance and healing and, and God will give you light to walk in and a path to walk on. But you've got to be willing to give yourself to the service of God and labor for God. And then you'll see the profit from God. Jesus said, labor not for the, that stuff that perishes. Boats, cars, trailers, clothes, hairstyles, houses. Vanity, it's all vanity. But it's, it surmises most prayers. And Jesus said, don't labor for that. Labor for that that, that endures. Labor for souls. Labor for marriages. Labor for children. Oh, Lord, you know, this family's been coming to our church, and, and, and I know that their children aren't where they need to be, God. I just, you know what, they're not even my children, but God, I'm just going to tarry, I'm going to fight for their children. Uh, you know, Lord, I know that their marriage is, is going through a hard time. I can just tell. Lord, I'm just going to tarry before you right now and intercede for that marriage. I know that person is teeter-tottering on going back into their life of sin. I've seen them begin to run around with that wrong crowd again. And I know that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. And God, I don't want to see them go back. I want to see them go forward. See, this is, this is laboring for that meat which endures. And, and you want to see God answer prayer? You want to see God move in your prayer life? You want to see spiritual seeds hit? pay dirt and see that bountiful harvest begin to rise you begin to pray according to the spirit of God as the spirit of God leads you you begin to pray that way and you'll see God move you'll see God move so Jesus told him to labor but just make sure you labor for the right thing all right well let me let me go take you to Matthew chapter 11 Matthew chapter 11 Notice what the Lord says here in Matthew 11. Two things I want you to see. In verse number 12, Matthew 11, verse 12. He said, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. This this shows you that God is looking for people who are not Come on now, we're not talking about politically violent or anything like that. We're talking about spiritually violent. In other words, you don't take, you don't take the direction that things are in right now. 
You don't take a prayerless, impotent church. You don't take, you know what, you know, they said that it's this way, but God, I know you said it's that way, and, and I'm just going to stand here, and I'm going to pray until this mountain moves. That's somebody violent praying. That's violent prayer. You, you, you see somebody whose husband walks out? Look, there's two ways to go about that. You, you, and, and I've seen it go both ways. I've seen people just give up and turn over. And then I've seen other women go down to those altars or get in that prayer closet and fight and fight and pray and intercede and God move. And you know what? You might be in a place right now where you're struggling. You can take it two ways. You can say, this is just the way it is. I hope it changes one day. Or you can get down on your face before God and get violently in prayer. See, one of the things that you see throughout the Bible is that God moved in people that were like that. I love the story of Gideon. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And, 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 and Gideon, he, he, you know, he had to put the fleece out. He had to make sure it was God. But once God did, did the fleece, Gideon didn't bat an eye. You go reread that story about Gideon. Once God moved on that fleece and, he, and, and Gideon knew that God was with him, I mean, it didn't matter if God sent him out with 300 people against the whole Midianite army, he did not fear one thing because he was sold out for God and he was going to do what God called him to do even if he only had 300 people to do it with and God had done sent the majority of the army away. Over 80% of the army, God had sent them away and, and rendered him with just 300 but he was violent. He had violent faith. He knew, he knew God was his hope and God was his help. And you know, if, in, in your life, in your life, God's looking for us. God's looking for us to stop playing and start praying, as the saying goes. God's looking for us to know and understand if we want to see the mountain move, it's not going to move because we wish it or because we want it or because we say it. But it's going to be because we pray it. And the mountain will move. God moves mountains when his people pray. You pray and believe the mountain will move. I don't know what the mountain is, but it'll move. Because God still moves mountains. I love that saying I said one time. God's phone number is still 1-800-MOUNTAIN-MOVER. He didn't change his phone number. It's still 1-800-MOUNTAIN-MOVER. All you got to do is ring it up. You ring it up by calling on Jesus. Call him up. Call him up. God still moves. Call him up. He's waiting on us to get serious. It. You can sow to the flesh and gripe and complain and moan and whine. How many of you know when your children gripe and moan and whine and complain, you're not moved? You're irritated, but you're not moved. But when we go before God and we get in that secret place of prayer, which Raven Hill said is the secret of prayer, 
You get in that secret place of prayer and you begin to intercede and to sow those spiritual seeds, a harvest will come. A harvest will come. Tarry before God, be patient, and the harvest will come. Don't till up the ground. Don't pray today and expect the harvest tomorrow. It may come, but wherever you laid those spiritual seeds, know and understand God's working in that ground. God's working in that ground. How many of you need some ground that needs God to work in? 